When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. I'm Dan Lobby with Mary Kate Cabot and Ashley Bastock. This is our normal Wednesday podcast here where we're going to get you ready for the week ahead. Uh, we're going to tell you a few things to keep an eye on this week, kind of what we're thinking going into the week as the Browns play the Bengals. Lance Riceland is also going to look back on that Texans game for some reason. So we'll get into <laughs> that a little bit. Ashley, I know you rewatched that game for some reason. Unfortunately. Yeah, I- Really put yourself through some pain there. Let's get to it, though, Mary Kay. As we go into this week, uh, starting here on Wednesday, what what's kind of on your mind in Bengals week? Well, I, I think um, the number one thing that I'm thinking of is how is Deshaun Watson going to be that much better than he was one week ago, ago against the Houston Texans? I'm trying to figure out what can they do in this short time frame to get him ready to play a lot better uh, than he did in that game because the stakes are going to be higher. The intensity is going to be higher. The pass rushers are going to be better. Um, So I I think they've got a lot of work to do. I think they're going to have to really thoughtfully, carefully plan this game plan out. And uh, they're going to have to find some things that Deshaun Watson can do well and be successful with in a hurry. Actually, it was something that we talked about on the Hey MK pod, just sort of how much more the Browns can do or how different this can look in game two. And I will say one of our texters pointed out that, you know, if you remember Baker's first game under Kevin, it was a disaster. There were a few disastrous games for Baker, but that's another another topic. Um, but his second game was much better. He seemed to have a better grasp of it. I think the same thing goes for Jacoby. You know, Jacoby struggled against Carolina and then looked better in week two. I mean, could we see a similar pattern here with Deshaun? I mean, we could, but I'm kind of in a spot right now where I'm questioning how drastic that change might be because of, like, I think some of Deshaun's issues were related, like, mainly related to the fact, hey, not only is he in this new system that he's learning for the first time with guys he's never played with, but I think a lot of it was also just, like, he hasn't played a game in two years, and I think that's going to take more than one week to kind of – get over some of those mistakes. Like, for example, like you alluded to, Dan, I rewatched that Texans game. I was talking to Lance Reisland about it. And like one of the big things that looked like it was off for him was his footwork. And like his processing at that game speed wasn't like the exact same kind of processing that we've seen. And I think to fix that, you know, he hasn't been hit in two years. He hasn't done anything really at a true game speed in two years. And I think that's a long time. So 
I'm kind of thinking like, yeah, maybe there will be a slight improvement, but I don't think it's going to be like this night and day thing. Oh, he got the first one out of the way. So now he's fine. I think it's going to kind of be this gradual process of him getting, you know, his legs underneath him again for these game scenarios. You know, Mary Kay, I think, and, and we've talked about David and Joku coming back, that'll help him. I, d- I do think it would be really helpful to maybe just get, you know, could they throw some tight end screens? Could they even throw some receiver screens, some things like that? I know a lot of that is timing based too. And you got to kind of stand in the face of pressure to set those screens up. But in theory, for a guy who's in his sixth season and, you know, is a very experienced, talented quarterback, he, sh- he should be able to manage something like that. Is it just about getting some easier stuff for him? Not, not that he was doing real complicated stuff on Sunday, but even you know, a few even easier things. They've got to find uh, some things that he feels really comfortable with right off the bat. They've got to find some shorter things. Uh, like you said, some, maybe some tight end screens. They've got to let uh, Deshaun, I think, make some plays with his legs so he can get some confidence going that he's actually contributing in the way that he can. I mean, that might help him heat up a little bit. Um, it just, it seemed like he was really jittery. He said he wasn't jittery, but I think he really was. And I think they need to get him feeling good about himself. And then the ball will come out differently. The ball didn't come out right of his hand at all. Um, So I think it's those kinds of things. I think David Njoku is really going to help a lot uh, in in every way, just with blocking, which they're going to need. I think he'll be an excellent option in the passing game for him, wherever on the field, including in the red zone, the end zone. Um, I think that, Kareem Hunt, you know, maybe they should use a little bit more of Kareem Hunt in the passing game, in the shorter passing game, and and get that rolling along. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of things that they can do, um, but they're just going to have to be ready for all of the defensive twists, game stunts, whatever the Bengals can come up with to cross him up. Yeah, that's also part of the problem. And Deshaun mentioned this: the the Bengals defense has been playing together for 13 weeks. He's been at this now for for a week. He mentioned that last mm-hmm. week. He's dropping in week one in the middle of in the beginning of December. Uh, all right, Ashley, what are you thinking here to start the week, uh, Cincinnati week? Yeah, you know, I'm thinking, and again, this was something I was talking about with Lance Reisland, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it just seems like over the last few weeks, and obviously Joe Mixon seems to be still a question of if he's going to be available um, coming out of that concussion protocol. But it just seems like the Bengals have done maybe a better job in recent weeks of balancing their rushing attack with their passing attack. And I think you kind of saw that in that Chiefs game as well. I believe they had 162 rushing yards, I want to say, if I'm remembering that correctly. Um, So I'm just really curious to see, like, if the Bengals remember that they have running backs on Sunday, especially if Joe Mixon plays, and if they remember that the Browns have really struggled against defending the run this year. So it's something that I'm interested to see if that changes the second time around. Yeah, Mary Kay, I mean, the Bengals have Mixon. They have a couple of good running backs. Um, and it, it is a little, it's got to be a little frustrating. You know, Browns fans love to argue about running the football. I wonder if Bengals fans are like the same, if they just argue constantly about not mm-hmm. running the football enough, or if Joe Burrow is just that good that it doesn't matter. But, you know, we saw the Texans even came out and tested this run game and had some success early in that game. Uh, you know, the Bucks kind of tested it a little bit, but the, the Browns did a decent job against them. But you'd almost, 
like it's almost criminal to not come out and like at least test this run defense and see if you can beat the beat up the interior of this defensive line if you're an offensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean, they really should do that. They definitely should try to do that. There are some different things that the Bengals are going to have to do if they want to get the monkey off of their back and beat the Cleveland Browns. Joe Burrow is 0-4 against the Cleveland Browns. And one of the reasons for that is because the Browns defense matches up well against this kind of more classic drop-back passing game that doesn't feature a lot of motions and and different kinds of things like that that the Dolphins did that that really kind of had them on their heels and not knowing exactly what was going on. Uh, So coming out and running the ball would be very wise of them. But then if they have time and they can figure out how to add in some of those other elements of, of what some other teams have done successfully against the Cleveland Browns, it would behoove them to try some of those things. If they don't do those things uh, and think that they can just beat the Browns because they're good at, you know, Joe Burrow dropping back and passing the ball to his great receivers, then they're going to be sadly mistaken. It's, it's not going to work for them again. Uh, when you've got Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney, and now you've got a full complement of defenders in the back end, they're all healthy. Denzel's back from the concussion. Greg's back from the concussion. Martin Emerson has gotten really good, even better since that, since he played so well against T Higgins on Halloween night. So, um, you know, they've got to change it up. They've got to change it up, and they do have to try to run the football. And as you said, it it doesn't have to just be Joe Mixon. They can use a complement of backs. That's what other teams have done. I mean, no-name backs have come out and run against the Browns. And now uh, they don't have Sione Takitaki playing in this game, and he was their best run defender. So, um you know, so it's certainly a game where they should come out and attack them from that standpoint. Okay, so I'm thinking about this is a big vibes week for me. This is all about Kevin's Kevin loves vibes, right? This is a big vibes week for me. I, I'm very curious to see how the Browns kind of sound this week and sort of how they carry themselves going into this game. Because I was thinking about obviously this team has just owned the Bengals, um, going back to the shootout when Baker Mayfield and Joe Burrow went back and forth uh, last year, the Odell game. This year, of course, the Halloween game. And I think what was interesting is in all of those cases, the Browns were kind of a like wounded team. So in 2020, it was, you know, they got through the first quarter of that game and it was like, oh, are they going to have to bench Baker here? That's how bad things had gotten. And they were coming off that Pittsburgh loss that was just a disaster. Um, and, and it was bad. You know, last year, it was bad. There was the whole Odell saga, and they kind of circled the wagons and went up against and just destroyed the Bengals. And this year, they had lost, how many have they lost in a row? Three in a row, four in a row at that point? Um, mm-hmm. And they, they kind of circled the wagons and, and beat the Bengals. This team worries me, though, a little bit when they get a little bit overconfident. And the recipe is there. You know, they've won two in a row for the first time in in a season since the beginning of of 2021. They know they're good against the Bengals. They're going to be really tempted, I think, to talk a lot of trash about the Bengals. Personally, from our perspective, that would be great for us. But I'm curious, Mary Kay, if they try to kind of tone it down a little bit this week, if they try to kind of stay low-key, because we've seen time and again this team 
go into games like this where they're feeling good, they have momentum, and then they just lay an egg. And I, I just wonder how much how much they have to kind of fight overconfidence going into this game, kind of walk that line between being a confident team but not an overconfident team. Well, you know, I, I do think that when you have these uh, division rivalries, it's very hard to keep the, the chatter out of it. It's very hard. And, you know, we know uh, the last game, I mean, the Browns whipped themselves into quite the frenzy uh, over what the um, over what the Bengals receivers had said about them in the offseason on, on the podcast. And it really even wasn't that bad. I mean, it, what they said, I mean, you really kind of had to work. They, they almost complimented them. Right. They, they were almost <laughs> complimenting them. Uh, you know, in, in their own kind of way, they were complimenting them. I, th- I thought the only uh, sort of slam in there was that, wasn't it, that Greg's not elite? I yeah, was- like Jamar Chase basically said they wanted they wanted to play the Browns again. It was on site because the Browns shut them down. And by yeah. the way, don't we're not going to tell the on site story. I, yes, we are. I had to explain to Dan that it was like there was a discussion about how it is. The phrase is on site, S I G H T, but Dan thought surely it meant like we'll see them when we get to the site, the noun of the yeah, game. You know, it makes sense, on- Dan. It makes yeah, sense, of course. But he, basically, they said Greg Newsom is not elite, which even in that case, Mary Kay, like he was a rookie. He had just played his rookie year. You, I don't know. Can a guy really be elite necessarily after rookie season? But go on. I mean, you can be. And, yeah. you know, so that was definitely a diss. And they milked that for everything that it was worth, right? And I think they're going to do it again. I think they will they might use that if they have to. They'll come up with something else. I mean, Joe Burrow just said after their victory over the Chiefs on Sunday that uh, it's December and we know how to win these games. Well, you know, I could see Miles Garrett using that little phrase against him, right? I mean, I, I could see these guys trying to come up with anything they can to get their game faces on. And they need their game faces on. I mean, they really do. They're going to play an 8-4 and four football team, and there, there's no way you can be overconfident uh, when you're about to play a team that just knocked off the 9-3 and three Chiefs, even if you have their number, even if you're 4-0 against Joe Burrow. There's no way the, the Browns should be overconfident about anything this season uh, with the way that they have played at times and how horrible they looked at times against the 1-10-1 and one Texans. So I think all they have to do is, uh, you know, watch some of their recent film and, and realize that, you know, they're nobody that has any business right now being overly confident. Ashley, are you on Vibes Watch with me this week? Yes, I actually wrote about that in our newsletter for this morning. It was one of like the three things, ironically, like this podcast, it was one of the things I was thinking about uh, heading into this week. But, you know, I do worry a little bit from the sense that I do think sometimes this team does get a little cocky or overconfident when they haven't accomplished their main goals yet. Um, And I do kind of, I think I'm, I'm not super wary of it because of what Barry Kay said, right? Like we have heard these guys talk about needing to win every game. They're going against an eight and four team. Like there's really no reason they should walk in overconfident, but I worry about their recent record against the Bengals. The fact that they've gotten two wins, like they really are going to have to zone in on what went wrong for them, especially this past week against the Texans, because the Texans 
are just so bad. And they gave them too many chances like to to try to win this game. And if the Texans were even a little bit better, they probably could have like pulled off an upset. But they're they're just like one of the worst teams that I've seen in recent memory, I think. Um, and and that's why the Browns were able to get a win in this one. But I do kind of worry about this idea of overconfidence and and you know, like the just also to add about the Greg Newsom elite thing, didn't we ask JJ three about that at some point? And he was like, "Yeah, no, Greg's not not elite yet, but he can get there." Like I'm yes. with you. I kind of thought like that wasn't like a, a huge dig. It was just kind of like stating something. But then Greg, <laughs> Greg, of course, I think we know is like is one of the guys that kind of feeds off this stuff. And and after that last game against the Bengals, he's the one that said we had to shut them up again. So I'm sure that's been in the Cincinnati locker room for the last four or five weeks, however many it's been here. Yeah. He, they actually did a good job of like downplaying it going into the game. And then after the game, it was, it was on site. After the game. <laughs> um, we heard a lot about it and, and yeah, like I, I try, I was really hoping John Johnson would have some things to say when I asked him about it over the summer. And he's just like, Oh, well, you know, I don't know if he's elite yet. <laughs> Come on, John. Yeah. <laughs> Give us some low-hanging fruit here. Yeah, I mean, the, it, you know, look, here we are on Tuesday, and we don't know what that little nugget is yet that's going to kind of spark uh, the Battle of Ohio. But it's going to be something. And, you know, even if it's, it isn't something, somebody's going to turn it into something. Somebody's going to find something because the Browns know that they really have to get up for this game. And I think the Bengals will naturally be up for this game for a number of reasons, including the fact that, um, you know, they they have that Halloween night game run, uh, to avenge, 32 to 13 that they lost on Halloween. Um, they just, the Browns have their number. I mean, and they somehow they've got to get the monkey off their back. So I think they've got plenty to play for. They're in a dogfight for the division. And, uh, and somehow, some way, there will be some uh, some noise, some chatter that will get everybody riled up for this game. Okay, there we go. Uh, it is Bengals Week Part 2. And, of course, we'll have it all covered here on the Orange Brown Talk podcast all week. So just make sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And also, become a Football Insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash Browns Blue Banner at the top of the page. Lance Reisland is going to join us to look back on the Texans game. Uh, so, Ashley and Mary Kay, I will talk to both of you later. And welcome back to the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. As promised, Lance Reisland joins us to look back on the Browns game against the Texans. And Lance, uh, I'm very impressed that you went back and watched that game. Uh, I think you summed it up in in the first sentence of your text. More of a preseason game. You said more of a preseason game for Watson. This felt like a preseason game for a lot of guys, especially those playing with Deshaun Watson. As you're watching that game, is that sort of your your big takeaway, at least on the offensive side? Well, yeah, seeing them get in, in and out of the huddle, like that whole operation, that whole camp stuff that you and I and Mary Kay and Ashley, and we all watched, I really all watched that in terms of like getting in and out of the huddle, the handoffs, the uh, getting the play from the, uh, you know, from the coach on the sideline to uh, the snap count, to operation, to in and out. It just felt very, um, felt very preseason. And, you know, for me, it's, it, and I think it's going to be even more because, Deshaun has not been underneath center, and I have been saying that for a couple weeks now. So if you think about when he's underneath center, his back is to the line of scrimmage a bunch. And for most of his career, it was not. 
So he gets full sight. When you're in the shotgun, you get full sight at all times without ever leaving um, the defense. So I just thought it had that feel. Um, you know, the you know it was it was a uh, it wasn't an exciting game, but there are no bad wins. So uh, you know it, it, it's a win, and and you get better from it. So what? Um, I, I guess when you looked at Deshaun's performance, did you see anything that was like, oh, okay, there there's something there already? Yeah, well, his, his first of all, his command. He has great command. You can tell everybody he's a great leader. He has all that. Uh, you can see it in his feet. You can see the flash throws. You can see a couple of the throws of DPJ and Cooper. Uh, and then you saw the rust. And the rust for me, I was thinking, you know, I've been following you guys for a long time in terms of like CBA. Well, they don't have live practice. So it's very, very hard for him to get into game speed without game reps at this point in the season. So even though he's been practicing, it hasn't been full speed. So when he, like, there's a play that I have where he misses uh, Cooper on the RPO. They run a pin and pull to the left. He pulls it and he throws it right in the ground. Well, in practice, that looks all pretty. You know, it's, you fake it, the linebacker rolls, there's your read, you throw the route. Well, in the game, now it's a, it's 100 miles per hour. And he just hasn't done that. And it'll come. Um, but that's what I saw. I saw the flashes, brilliance, which he obviously has, and then all the rust um, that I really thought he'd have. I didn't know he would have it that much but i thought ernie center he'd have it a lot because he just hasn't played ernie center a lot in his career you know i thought there was a play i think it was a it was a third and three or a third and four near midfield i mentioned it on tuesday's podcast too um where he handed off to nick chubb and chubb came up short of the first down i thought maybe the browns would go for it instead kevin punted and on replay it looked like maybe there was a an opportunity for deshaun to keep the football and maybe get a first down now, maybe that was just eye candy. Maybe it was supposed to go to Chubb the whole time. But I think stuff like that, too, just kind of getting used to, like, the timing of the RPO, how long he keeps the ball in there, you know, when Chubb should take it, when he's how long it's going to take him to pull to pull the ball back and, and run with it. I think some of that stuff, too, is just going to take time with these guys because Chubb hasn't really run a lot of OPR or OPR, RPO in the nfl i know my alphabet well a lot of rpo in the nfl you know with baker and i don't feel like they did a ton of it with jacoby mm-hmm. this is kind of new to him well yeah so you you just said it right so now you have two backs you have both backs in the game when do they get to the quarterback um what is his reach to the quarterback we used to teach elbow to elbow how long does it stay in what is chubb's grip does does chubb have a tight grip on it um once again, those are all things that are practiced at uh, as full speed as you can go uh, in practice. Um, without game speed, though, those are uh, – I can guarantee you that Nick Chubb is coming at you a 1,000 miles per hour. Even though he practices as hard as anybody I've ever seen practice, it's still going to be different. It, everybody's going to be sweaty. Does does sweat get on the ball? Is the ball wet when he grabs it? Does he have the strings? Um, you know, the reads for that – you know, those zone reads. What is he reading? Is he is he reading the shoulder or the chest? There's a lot of different coaches who teach a lot of different things. Uh, again, in practice, it's the coach giving him that read. And all of a sudden, it's a you know 290-pound defensive end who's feathering and doing different stuff. So, again, a lot of it is just reps, and a lot of it is game reps because he's not going to get game reps in practice in the NFL. It just doesn't – they don't, they don't practice extremely hard in the NFL in terms of full speed. So how does this offense evolve? from here what how does it change over the next couple weeks well i think you're going to be scaffold you know you're going to go step by step it's not going to be a 10 you know if if last week was a one or two 
you're going to see more throws. You're going to see more, like you said, he's going to pull the ball on some zone reads. He's going to be more deliberate with his RPOs in terms of what he's looking at. Uh, he's going to be able to process information uh, on that pick to Petrie. Um, he took the bait. You know, Petrie set him up. They ran. He crossed his face with uh, DPJ, and then they ran, uh, you know, Cooper on that little skinny uh, bang eight or skinny post. And, you know, I think as he gets reps, he'll he'll keep his eyes on DPJ to keep Petrie with him, and then he shoots at the Cooper. Just those game reps, I think it'll just be a progression of improved everything. Um, but I think it will take time. And the better people they play, um, the more time it'll take. But also, you know, those guys who are elite guys, they play up. So there's going to be a big jump this week. I don't think it, we're going to see the top. We're not going to see the ceiling yet, but there's going to be a big jump. Now the huddle procedure, everything's ready to go now. He got hit a whole nine yards. So he's ready. I think he'll be there'll be a huge jump uh, Sunday. Well, and the other the other piece of this too, and as a coach, as, as a former coach, you can certainly speak to this. Like Kevin is going to be able to spend time, and I'm sure he already has, sitting down and saying, "Okay, you know what? I thought we could do this, but we can't. So let's just put this aside until you know. Maybe we bring it back this season. Maybe it's something we talk about next season. But he's going to be able to take some of that menu and just say, you know what? We can't do this yet. We have we have to wait." And he can simplify things. He, he can maybe add some new things based off what he's seen from now. But I, I think that's an important step, too, is like he he's going to have a better feel. And this is going to grow each week, too, with what Deshaun can handle right now and what he can't. Well, you know, they have that lead receiver. And uh, I'm writing an article right now in terms of like, you know, they can kind of take a burrow chase kind of, <clears throat> uh, you know, early get him some easy touches, run some hitches, run some slants, run some fades. Run some easy one-man reads until he gets until he gets you know gets his juices going until he until he you know gets live action you know throw some screens um, you know get him hit you know it sounds funny but get him hit a little bit get him, give a design quarterback run where he gets banged up a little bit and he gets hit a little bit just to try to get him in the flow of the game but if you take if you take some of the the processing out right now and simplify that process I think that'll help him get on a roll he can make all the throws I remember breaking him down from two twenty him. People trying to give him every coverage they could, and he he knows it. It just takes time, and I think if they can just get him some easy touches, screens and hitches, and you know use Amari Cooper and you know get those guys in a slot, there'd be a great opportunity to get Hunt out of the backfield, get those both guys in the backfield kind of deal. So I just think they got to simplify. You said it. They got to simplify. Let him play fast. Uh, let him play with his feet because when your brain is working, your feet aren't, and that's kind of where the Browns are at with that quarterback position. And that was always the thing. You have to simplify so the feet are working, not the brain. Okay, you said it earlier, no such thing as a bad win. And certainly in December, especially, there's no such thing as, as a bad win. Three phases to football. And honestly, the other two phases of the game kind of owed this to the Browns offense after some performances earlier this season. Uh, a couple defensive touchdowns, a special teams touchdown. Cade York added some field goals. And it's those two phases that really won this game for the Browns. Well, first, my first thought was Jacoby Brissett's got to be like, what's going on? That was, <laughs> that was my first thought after the game is like, you know, he because he 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 was playing at a really high level. So um, and, and Deshaun, I get there, too. But, yeah, there's three phases. And unfortunately, uh, when the offense is not playing well, you think you're having a bad game and the defense played at a high level. Those defensive tackles are getting better. Uh, I thought Fields did a really good job getting in there, uh, having good gap integrity. Winfrey's playing better. Those guys are playing better inside. They're playing more team oriented uh, special teams. Like you said, um, they're getting some kick returns now, some punt returns. Now they're starting to do some things that are uh, they're covering better. So all those things tie into it. And when, 
one phase is not playing well, the other two got to kind of cover it and you get that game. It's not pretty, but a win is a win. And, and there's, like I said, I've always believed that you just go back to work and, and I think you have it. Now they have live film. Now they can watch the film and say, this is what we need to work on uh, moving forward. Let's take this, let's take this, let's get rid of this for a while and, and they'll get better offensively, but no such thing as a bad win. And those two, those two phases carried them. Yeah. Well, especially in the NFL, I've always said like, the NFL is in college football. They're not looking at style points. They're, there's not a committee that gets together and says, I know I do the playoff committee every week on the pod, but there's not a commit, a real committee that gets together and says, you get to make it and you don't. It's it's count up the wins. And it, every single win counts as one. And the more you have at the end of the year, the better. Well, you know, I was sitting with you guys during camp, you know, having I've watched football for you know 40 years of my life. But when you for the first time, I got to day in and day out, see an NFL organization run a practice. I got to sit with you guys who do it for a living in terms of like what you're looking for and how you're doing it. And as a football coach, there's so margin for error between the guys who are good guys who are great and the guys who don't, and the guys who get cut those guys who are on that field, they're also good at, on all those teams. So like you're saying, I mean, if you look every week, every game is three points or three uh, point or six points. There's not a lot of blowouts in the NFL. Everything comes down to the last couple drives. So a win is a win. Like I said, a win is a win. No one will even remember the score in two weeks. You got the win and you're moving forward. All right. That is Lance Reisland. He breaks down film for us at Cleveland.com. You can read all of his work, Cleveland.com slash Browns. Uh, looking back at the Texans, they'll have stuff coming, uh, looking ahead to the Bengals. And of course, he'll be part of our preview pod a little bit later this week. Lance, thanks for the time. As always, thanks for having me. Okay, we wrap things up here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast today with what else? The playoff committee of one that's right it's time the playoff committee of one where i serve as an nfl playoff committee the rules are simple one team has to make it from each division plus three wild cards they do not have to be seeded though by nfl rules so i can seed the teams wherever i want i'll give you a top seven in each conference and the first team out a little shakeup in the afc this week buffalo back at number one they move up from number three it hasn't always been pretty but they're getting back on track and josh allen is starting to look more like josh allen every single week at number two cincinnati up from number four this is an overreaction maybe but kansas city had been locked into number one and the Bengals beat them they have to get this browns monkey off their back though this week if they want to stay here at number three there's kansas city formerly number one. They've got an easy schedule the rest of the way, and so it means this team could end up right back at that number one spot soon enough. At number four, down from number two, Miami. That San Francisco defense brings a lot of people back to earth. Games at the Chargers and Bills the next two weeks are enormous. My number five team, Baltimore. They stay at number five. It looks like they'll be without Lamar Jackson, at least for this week. And then they've got a short week, to face the Browns on a Saturday, and it really feels like this team is hanging on by a thread. So we'll see where they end up here in a few weeks. Number six, Tennessee. The bottom of this field is mostly by default. Tennessee stays at six. The Titans lost to the best team of all the teams in this group that lost on Sunday, although it was close because the Jets lost to the Vikings. So they stay. They move from unranked up to number seven. It's either the Jets, Chargers, or Patriots in this spot. And the Jets played a tough game in losing to the Vikings. New England, they're 6-6. Six and six. They're my first team out. They lost to the Bills. Man, did they look bad doing it. They're only here because I'm sick of talking about the Chargers. And those five and seven teams in the AFC North, including the Browns, aren't ready for this discussion just yet. 
Over in the NFC, I got Philadelphia still number one. Games at New York and Chicago before the big showdown with Dallas at Jerry World in a few weeks. Dallas is number two, staying there. They play Houston, then they travel to Jacksonville before they host the Eagles. At number three, up from spot number four is Minnesota. It's another win for the Vikings, and they're a more stable team right now than the 49ers, who are my number four team. Why do the 49ers drop after a win from number three? Well, some of this is projection. And until this committee sees what this quarterback situation looks like, the 49ers have to stay a tier below that top group. Number five and six, fittingly, the two teams that tied. Washington stays at five. The Giants move up from being my first team out. Uh, Listen, they tied Sunday. We're putting them together here. They'll rematch after the Commanders have that bye in a week. It's that weird thing the Browns and Ravens did last year. Uh, where the Browns ended up playing the Ravens back-to-back and had the buy-in between. Well, that's what the Commanders are doing with the Giants. But the Giants have to play Philly first. Huge chance for the Giants to show uh, they belong here. Number seven, Tampa Bay, down from number six. The rules say we have to have one team from each division. I don't make them. Actually, I guess I do. Eh, Tampa Bay still number seven. And my first team out, maybe a little unfair, the Seattle Seahawks. They squeaked out a win over the brutal Rams. They might deserve to be in, but this will all sort itself out over the next couple weeks. And just a heads up, we're keeping an eye on you, Detroit Lions. We are watching what Dan Campbell and the boys are doing a few hours north here. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast and the NFL Playoff Committee of One. Like I said, become a Football Insider subscriber. Cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Get info and get signed up. Uh, I'm Dan Lobby for Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, and Lance Riceland. Thanks for listening.